Welcome to the Revitalize Podcast, a podcast where we have conversations to help you experience emotional, spiritual, and physical wellness as you lead at your church, your business, or in your life. Here are your hosts, Danielle and Kevin. Welcome back to the Revitalized Podcast. This is episode 10. Already? Hard to believe we've hit double digits. Awesome. So I'm pretty happy about that. How about you? Yeah, and it's been so much fun every week, and not only fun, but really informative as well, and opportunities to learn about people, you know, within our community and to be able to share with our audience. Yeah, it has been really exciting to have different guests on the show to talk about their wellness journey, whether it's in the area of physical wellness or emotional wellness or um, spiritual wellness. Or a whole big mix of or them all, which mix. many people find that you can't really separate them, can you? Absolutely. And so today's guest, I was really excited that we actually reached out to her and and, mm-hmm. and she said yes, because this is someone who was actually quite um, influential early on in your Christian faith. Definitely. Like 20 years ago or 18 years ago. Like Probably a, 20. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. 18 to 20 years ago, early in my faith, because now I've been, uh, I guess we're coming up on 20, 21 years that I've been walking with the Lord. Yeah. And this particular guest, Nita Katuga, mm-hmm. really did take a special interest in me, and I'm so grateful for that. And um, as a spiritual director. Back That's then. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Nita is a spiritual director, and she's been a director, uh, a spiritual director since 2006. Mm-hmm. She has served as a pastor for the past 11 years at Our Sending Church. That's so right. So the church that equipped us and sent us out into pastoral ministry. It's where she serves. Uh, She also has a doctorate in transformational leadership. She is the director of spiritual formation um, at uh, Bake Graduate University. Um, She's an online mentor. And she... And she's uh, what she calls herself a third culture kid, right? So she grew up in Morocco and Casablanca. She grew up in Germany. Uh, she grew up in India. And so she's uh, married to her husband, Willie, and they have two adult daughters. Yeah. So, and, and just a great, great person yeah, uh, all around. Funny. She tells dad jokes and she's not even a dad. I know, exactly. A mom <laughs> with dad jokes. That's a deadly combination. Totally. So. But she's also super smart, super spiritual, and has so much to offer. And, yeah. and, and, and I know that personally because of how she has built into me early on in my faith journey. Right. And so let's just turn it over to our conversation with Anita Katuga. Awesome. It is so great to have you with us here, Anita, at the Revitalized Podcast. And maybe just kind of kick our conversation off today. Danielle, why don't you... Share a little bit how you first got connected and met Nita and how you guys kind of, how she was such a blessing to you early on in your faith. Sure. Well, um, the church that I got saved at was Westview Church out in um, Pierrefonds in Montreal area. And um, Nita actually was, I think, doing her studies to become a spiritual director at the time. I think she was very close to the end of that. And I don't know how. Uh, she was just a great person that I was chatting with. And then I don't know how, you know, I got to be one of her clients at that time, but I, I was and got the opportunity to meet with Nita probably on a weekly basis or so, and I learned such amazing things that were so foundational for me in my faith journey. So, Nita, thank you so much for being here, and uh, do you remember when we first met and and how that all went? Do I have it right? 
Yes, you have it right. I had just, just discovered spiritual direction for myself and loved it. Mm-hmm. And so it was so fun to meet with other people and help them discover for themselves who God was, is, will be. Yeah. I am. <laughs> you know, the whole I, I was about to see you, seen us walking down the hallway like, oh boy, they need help. Uh, you and then just kind of, you know, just like, just new. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were just at that age. At that age, yes, I was. That yes, I didn't have gray hair then. No. I had, you know, like I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and brand-new believer. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing brand-new believers start off with a good, healthy start, mm-hmm. particularly in the ability to hear God for themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. And I remember at that time maybe a little bit of controversy when it came to. What is spiritual direction and is it okay to go to a spiritual director and what does that mean? So do you remember, did did you feel any of that in those days? And, and, and maybe you can describe what exactly is spiritual direction? There definitely was a lack of understanding. Um, Spiritual direction came to us um, through the Catholic church. Right. Being Protestant church, there was a bit of a question as to is this okay? Um, You know, what is it anyway? Um, And so explaining it very briefly, um, I was trained in the Ignatian way of spirituality, which uses the scriptures. So Mm -hmm. you are immersed in scripture every time you are spending time with God. This replaces your quiet time and you learn how to meditate on scripture and you learn how to use your sanctified imagination. to experience the stories in scripture and then journal them so that the scripture is in color, it's uh, 3D, and it's alive. It's no longer just words on a page. Right. That's great. I love the way you described it because, I mean, how which Protestant believer, evangelical believer is going to say anything about what? I want to immerse myself in scripture. I want right. to meditate on the word. I want to, you know, see the word alive. Like, is there anything in there to argue with? No. Pastor? No. Well, first, well, no. Well, and this is, the, I think, the challenge of it. Yeah. Too, like you said, Nina, because it comes, because of its origin, right, we have a tendency of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? So, you know, we got to stay away from that without actually taking a look at it and seeing what it is. Compared to right. the way, like, I've been guilty of, in my own Bible study, Bible meditation time, just grabbing the version Bible app and just ensuring I got a green tick box beside all the scriptures that I'm supposed to read. Mm. And if I got a green tick box, I have been successful in my Bible reading that week. <laughs> but did I hear from God? Did I draw close to God? Did it, did it speak to me in any kind of way? Was I listening or was I just focused on tick boxes? Yeah, so, so what's what's different between what Kevin's describing, which of course is not your whole faith, but no, <laughs> there's times we, we all get there, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what's different between that kind of Bible reading and what you're talking about, Nita? Well, I hate to really say this, but it's kind of very true for all of us at some point in our lives, we do the tick box. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it becomes about me. It is me um, contributing um, it is about my success. It's me focused as opposed to contemplation or meditation on scripture is God focused. It's like, Lord, here I am. I've read this story so many times, but I'm just going to close my eyes and I'm going to meditate on, on the story and allow you to move my heart, my mind, allow you to give me a picture mm-hmm. of 
the story. Um, and very often in that picture or in that tongue of meditation, God will say something that is not in the story, but it ties to the story so beautifully. It just brings it from a black and white picture to a color picture. Mm-hmm. You know, you are using your five senses for one thing and, and you're immersing yourself in that story and, and you're looking at it from a particular vantage point and you're going, so today I am this little kid with the, with the loaves and, and fishes. You know, I'm, I'm just this little kid. I'm, right. My mom sent me off because, you know, I was probably causing too much trouble at home. Go, go listen to, go listen to the preacher, you know, get some yeah. good influence in your life. <laughs> and, you know, and then, you know, like, oh my goodness, this guy took my lunch. Like, really? <laughs> but yeah. then I get to see, I as a kid get to see this miracle happen in front of me. And it is the, it's my lunch that, that God used. And, and so I now have this unbelievable joy of being part of something so miraculous mm. as feeding 5,000 people. Right. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's just my little fish, mm-hmm. my little loaves, my little rattan bags and basket, you know? Yeah. So it, it, I think that's, that's the part of it that sometimes Protestants are a little bit scared of is the imagination. Right. We know that we are sanctified and that we're holy and that the Holy Spirit lives within us, but we still fear the imagination. Mm-hmm. Right. You're like, no, well, you know, that can go any which way. It's like, no, no, no. That's part of the process. Mm-hmm. God often speaks to people who don't have access to scripture through visions and dreams. Yeah. Um, right. And so we know that. And so ours are the same. People speak through uh, to us through our imagination. And how many times has it come to us? When we're washing dishes, washing dishes or doing something mundane or just even taking a shower and all of a sudden this thought pops into our head and we know that we know that we know that this is the Holy One that's speaking mm-hmm. to right. us. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? Really cool. Yeah, so absolutely. A, much, a yeah. much richer, deeper relationship, it sounds like, with the Lord, with these kind of ways that had been previously maybe thrown out with the baby with the bathwater. So what was it like for you then? Like what interested you in the first place to go into spiritual direction? And, you know, what did it take to overcome some of the, you know, naysayers? I, okay. So I was going through a really dry personal time and I found myself saying to God, is this all there is? Um, um, (laughs) I don't know where to go and I'm feeling really bored. Like I, I read my Bible. I'm in a Bible study, which is like the blind leading the blind. You know, we all pontificate the little bit of knowledge we have. Right. Um, And, and I, I was just kind of like, there's gotta be more, Mm -hmm. you know, God, I know there's gotta be more. This can't just be it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I read a book by Gordon McDonald and somewhere in there, he says, something about him having a spiritual director and I'm going, Oh, what's that? Um, And then I don't know, God brought the Ignatian center into my life. I found out about it and I went and I got myself a spiritual director and the fit wasn't perfect, but the taste of it was amazing. And it, it transformed my life. It actually, one of the things I tell people Spiritual direction will really affect how you read the Bible 
because now it's always in 3D. Mm, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and it's always alive. Mm. And that can be really tiring. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, right. when God is speaking to you, it's exhausting. It's not just, oh, what a nice yes. summer having. <laughs> oh, yep. th- I've never heard anybody say that before, but I've experienced that. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. So yeah. how, how does that like work in your life then? When it's always alive and God is always speaking and how, and you're exhausted. How do you, how do you manage that? (laughs) So people who want to become spiritual directors, I always tell them there is a drawback to being a spiritual director. As much as joy you will receive from being able to see the light come on in other people's eyes, that spiritual director is going to live in your head. You're Uh going to get away with nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Do you understand that? Wow. So you you know when you want to do something you're questioning yourself you're going am I holding it with an open hand mm-hmm. or is my fist clenched around this you know am I willing to um let the lord speak and let him direct my paths am I willing to live in this place of no answer and live in it with joy <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it's really, really difficult, but I think that's what the Christian journey is. I think the Christian journey is really hard mm-hmm. um, because we live the life of every human being. Like we're just humans, right? We're just right. people. Mm-hmm. We're people who recognize the beauty and the sacrifice of Jesus and who have the Holy Spirit inside of us, who can quench that Holy Spirit when we want to. Mm. And it's not easy because it's not about, oh, I can handle anything because God won't give me stuff that's harder than I can handle. (laughs) Right. That's not true. God will be with you in the toughest situations you find yourself in. Yeah. If you were in Ukraine right now, God may or may not rescue you. You may die mm-hmm. in Mariupol. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right? But your spirit, who you are, that essence, you get to walk through that Mariupol disaster and, and horror mm-hmm. with Jesus as opposed to on your own. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. the Christian journey that spiritual mm-hmm. direction offers is that you can now feel the accompaniment of Jesus with you in the toughest times. Because they will come. Right. Yeah. And so how have you found, you know, when you personally are going through this journey, you know, you kind of implied you were kind of in a dark place and kind of wondering if that's all there is. So as God was kind of awakening in you, like through spiritual direction, kind of opening up your kind of your spiritual life, did you see that kind of impacting other parts of your life as well? Say like your emotional well-being or mental health, things like that. Mental health for sure. Um <clears throat> I'm an introvert, um, and so introverts tend to be more prone to depression, apparently. Oh, so really? Kind of yeah. mold things in our head, and we don't share them when we should be talking about them. Okay, yeah. You know, and so we just go round and round and round, and, and we yeah. can either go deeper and darker or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I've been through, you know, two depressions. One was fairly mild. One one felt worse. <laughs> right, um, okay. And, um I found that having the consistency of scripture, knowing that even though I could not feel mm-hmm. what I had felt when I was well, right. I still had the history and I had my journals and I had a track record with God 
And I knew that even if I couldn't be with God, that didn't change God being with me. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so like it's a really it's almost panicky for a Christian to feel depression and even to be on meds because it alters your emotions. And so when you should be rejoicing, you're kind of feeling a little flat, like you're not rejoicing the way you would normally rejoice. There's no sharp peaks and, and valleys. It's all kind of like really mellow. Right. Um, and and so you're kind of going, but I should be happier or I should be praising the Lord right now or should be. Right. Right. And, and it's like, but I'm not feeling any of that. OK, fine. That doesn't change the fact that God created me with tremendous joy. It doesn't change the fact that God wants me to be in relationship with him and he wants me to come as I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So here I am <laughs> you know, standing <laughs> yeah. in church, going to worship you, I think. I think this is worship. I don't know anymore, but I'm going to sing the songs, okay? There you go. Sing the song. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do that much. I'll sing for you. Uh-huh. And even as you're proclaiming those words, right, it's you're proclaiming who he is. And Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that, I know that they're true even though I don't feel them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder about, like, in that, in, in from that kind of, um, vantage point um just i mean what does that what does spiritual direction or or the teachings of spiritual direction like what does it look like in that place of depression i know you mentioned you have your journals you have your you know the scriptures are still real so so maybe you can explain that during a a depression like that how the scriptures maybe like how did that how did that help you a memory helped me. Um, I didn't actually get anything out of scripture when I was depressed. I didn't mm-hmm. feel much of God. I didn't feel much of other people either. Right. Um, I didn't really read my Bible because mm-hmm. it was actually like veiled. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it didn't resonate the way it used to resonate. And so, mm-hmm. but that was, I understood that in talking to a few other Christians that they had experienced that too. Right. Um, and so I understood that that could have been either the depression or a side effect of the meds, but I wasn't always going to be like that. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like this was a season in my life where I was going through some hardship. And um, so like, okay, you know, I think mine was more of a situational issue. I was just really burnt and exhausted and, that's where I went as opposed to, you know, maybe an extroverted person might have had more friends and might have talked to people. Somebody might have said something, mm-hmm. you know, but I stayed in my brain. Um, right. and, and so it ended up being, you know, um, a depression for me. Um, and I needed, I needed some medical help. So, you know, a mm-hmm. mild dose of antidepressants was helpful for a while. And, got off of them after that, learn some skills. Um, mm-hmm. right. And that really has kept the depression or depressive thoughts at bay. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, we've got amazing therapists, we've got great books, we've got mental health resources, and those are all tools that I really think everybody needs. You know, yeah. whether you're depressed right. or not, you need to understand how your mind works. You need to understand the, the spiraling, the yeah. exaggeration that you have mm. or the tendency to have or 
you know, making everything into a catastrophe or, you know, you got a hangnail. Oh, no, I'm going to lose my thumb. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we do that, you know, like at this we laugh at. But, you know, yeah. I when you're in it, right, it's not a laughing matter. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's yeah, we know how painful it is. You pull a hangnail. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's and, interesting you say that because, you know, mental health, we all have mental health. You know, so people people kind of, you know, go towards, oh, I, I need to be looking at my mental health if it's not going well. But having some, like you said, everybody really could benefit from understanding mental health, understanding their minds, understanding themselves in that way so that mm-hmm. they can combat when, you know, things are not. Yeah, and it's not well. Yeah. And yeah. have you found that, like, spiritually has the enemy played a part in any of that as well with the you know like um you talked about the 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 idea that i'm never gonna like you didn't go there where i'm never gonna get better this is just for a season so to me it almost sounds like you know if the enemy tried to get in he wasn't winning because you knew that i'm gonna get better this is not this is not where i'm at forever well forever is 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 eternity so um when I die, I'm not going to be under depression. Mm-hmm. Right. So I might live on earth under depression and may need medication for it. Mm-hmm. But when I die, that will be restored to me. And I'm petitioning for two more inches. Okay. Yeah, I just want it to be two inches taller. So, like, maybe <laughs> I'm petitioning that. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, um, My perfect you know, hey, is <laughs> But really, it, it the enemy is so quiet, and um, it, it, it's that voice that is so familiar that I that we can't, as human beings, really distinguish it between our own voice mm-hmm. because he speaks in our voice. Right. And yeah. so I have learned to question every statement that goes through my head that starts mm-hmm. with an I. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So so. Mm-hmm. When I was depressed, I would look out the window and be beautiful blue sky. And for a moment, I would have this, this joy. Look at it. The birds, you know, it's summer. It smells amazing. Uh, oh, but I, oh, but I'm depressed. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know, and it would just cover me. I'm so I have learned that. through that episode to question every statement that I hear in my head that starts with an I. Hmm. You know, I'm tired. Really? Am I? Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Because Am I actually like, tired, tired, or is it just a, a mental, emotional tired, right? Or right. am I actually tired? Like, like, or do I really need a nap? Is that my voice, or is yeah. that, or is the enemy telling me, oh, go lay down? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then you miss out on whatever it is that was. Mm-hmm. You know, part of the issue with depression is that I, I needed a lot of sleep and so I would miss out on life. I could be in a conversation and my eyes would close and I'd be out. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Um and, and that was the side effect of the meds, I'm I'm pretty sure. Um but you know, so I still have to I have to carry on in one way or another. And so it sounds like you did a lot of things, medication, therapy, so on and so forth, remembering what your uh, closeness with the Lord had been yeah. when you could yeah. feel it and mm-hmm. combating those thoughts 
that basically taking every thought captive, it sounds like, where the word I is in there. I've never heard heard that uh, expressed quite in that way, but I think that's super helpful, going to be super helpful for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What am I saying about me? I am, yeah. I am that. Yeah, thank you. I am not. What does the word say about who we are, right? What does mm-hmm. Jesus... It, it, I can't make those statements and say that I believe what Jesus says because there's there's a huge problem with that because Jesus chose to die for me. Right. So here's God on a cross saying that I am valuable. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. He could have climbed down any time, but he didn't. He stayed on that cross until death was conquered. So mm-hmm. he died and he resurrected. So now death is conquered. It's not gone. It's not abolished, but it's been conquered. Right. Yeah. So now, who am I listening to? Mm-hmm. Do am I am I the one who determines if I'm worthy of Christ's death, or does Christ get to decide if I'm worthy of His death? I'm going to go with Christ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it boiled down to. In the end, it was like, well, who gets to decide this? Yeah. And it was like, yeah, yeah he gets to decide this because. Yeah. You know, it's a question of boundaries. It's his life. It is his choice. I don't get to determine that. It's a question of healthy boundaries. It's just as simple as that. It's a really great way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so then you, so you began this journey of spiritual direction. You were, and you kind of, and you shared this with us before we hit the record button, just like, just how, like, much it was impacting you. And then you started seeing and trying to find other people. <laughs> To kind of bless this with. Is that kind of how it played out? Like when you got really involved with this, then it was like you just took off and. Yeah. So um, after a year of being in direction, I found out that you could actually train to be a spiritual director, but you had to do um, the Ignatian exercises, which is basically it, it takes about a year to do anyway. Um, and so I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. And that is what really transformed my relationship with God because it mm. is nine to 12 months of reading scripture every single day, meeting with wow. your director once a week. Okay. Uh, and your day is like, it's about anywhere between 30 to 45 minutes and you are in scripture and you explore what sin means, you know, not just personal sin, but communal sin, global sin. Wow. Uh, you, you experience uh, Jesus's life on earth. So you get to do a lot of contemplation in that portion. You're walking along, mm-hmm. you know, in the crowds or you're a disciple or you're whatever, but you're in the story all the time. And so now Jesus is 3D. He's not <clears throat> whitewashed, sanitized or right. colored in any way based upon your own background, right? Mm-hmm, right. He, he he just is a Middle Eastern guy for me now. Like, looking right. at him, I go, yeah, he's a Middle Eastern guy, and he's very hairy. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And not part of the world. Ox on top of his head. Oh, yeah, that, that's true. He's got great curly hair. <laughs> but... um and then the third week, you're you're spending a lot of time at the cross, what leads up to the cross. And you're sitting with Jesus for mm-hmm. almost two and a half months, three months um, daily. And part of it is the crucifixion. And it is it crucifies yourself. Right. You know? um, and then you spend a good chunk of time again on the resurrection. And what does it mean to live a resurrected life? And as Protestants were really, really enthralled with crucifixion. Right. And when we do communion, we 
do crucifixion and we stop there. Right. Yeah. yeah. We don't talk about the resurrection mm-hmm. and that the crucifixion is actually pointing to the resurrection. And so I am no longer defined by my sins, but I'm defined by a resurrected Lord, mm-hmm. which yeah. is a whole different thing yeah. in, in how I choose to live. I, I'm not beating myself. I'm not seeing God as a God of punishment, waiting to whack me with a two by four if I step out of line. Mm-hmm. But I am invited into a relationship with God who said, with God who says to me, you know, what happened there? What happened? Talk to me. Mm-hmm. Why did you say that? Or why did you behave that way? Or why did you feel that way? Let's talk about it. And right. then that safety of, but I felt really threatened <laughs> or I felt really hurt. And, and so I lashed out and he says, yeah, and who tells you who you are? You know who you are. I love you. So you don't need to feel that way. You don't need right. to feel defensive. You don't need mm. to feel, you know, so let's talk about that. Let me fill you with my security, with my love for you. And that next time you won't have to mm-hmm. defend yourself because you will know who you are. Yeah. So personal. And I think that's, that's the, the kind of overarching thing, right? It's just like, instead of just reading who Christ is instead of just having a head knowledge of who God is. It's really that personal, like, is it, is there any greater way to um, get personal with Jesus or is this like, is this it? Like has your walk completely changed and is there anything more or greater that, you know, like. I wouldn't say greater. I would say I have only scratched the surface. Uh Uh-huh. Mm. Um, and, and there are people who have lived this life intentionally, like Richard Rohr or, you know, some of the great mm. Catholic theologians who are so insanely human <laughs> that as Protestants, we, we're, we sanitize, we're still sanitizing ourselves, even in our, you know, writings and stuff like that. But they talk about that, those places that we would never talk about. Right. Anyone. Yeah. Because right. it's not part of what we do, because even our partner will look at us differently. Mm. Wow. You yeah. Know? And, but but here's a God who invites us to such depths that we didn't even know we had those depths. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, being created in the image of God, I can only see as a creature to a certain point. And beyond that, it's it's the depth of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't fully understand what that means. Right. So when God peels off the layers. We're not onions where you keep peeling and then end up with nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Go, yeah. Mm-hmm. You keep peeling and you, you begin to see more and more the image of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think some of the Catholic writers that, that, you know, are in their fifties and sixties and like James Martin, he, he writes so well and so real, real E uh, yeah. that it, it's, allows me to be human and and bring my brokenness before the Lord and not feel that I have to hide it. Because the tendency is still to hide behind that bush or that yeah. thing. Right. Absolutely. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really disgusting. Shame is really, I don't think there's anything worse than shame. Yeah. Mm. You know, and to be able to bring your shame and say, Lord, like, I reacted that way because I feel shame. I feel bad about who I am. And God says, and who are you? Mm-hmm. Right. 
<clears throat> and then you get to say, and he goes, I, I politely disagree. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's cute. That's great. So then, so how did how did your journey go to to bring this you know ministry to to your church? So then, when I was I was training, and and so after your first year, uh, you get to be a prayer companion, which means that you are um, trained enough to be able to accompany somebody who's a very young Christian or a brand new Christian. Okay. Um, and so I started looking around for people, and that I think that was when. Um, we talked about it at Westview and kind of helped the leaders at Westview understand that this is actually very Protestant. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it is about the word and even Luther would be okay with it. And interesting, you know, Ignatius and Luther were contemporaries. One left the church, one pretty much caused a revival Mm-hmm. Catholicism. So right. it, it's kind of interesting that the same era brought rebirth to right. Christendom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think when our leaders started having a taste of it and, and conversations were happening and, you know, questions were asked and um, it slowly became more and more okay. And then I think the fruit of it um, also showed up in people's lives. I think people were maybe talking about it amongst themselves um, a little bit. And um, so I remember in the early years, I had a lot of directees. I had um, six a week, and, oh, wow. which, <laughs> which is, which, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> I couldn't do that now. Um, I don't have that level of, of um, ability to stay with. Okay. Um, because it's, it's very active listening, which is really exhausting. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. And not so, just actively listening to the person in front of you. Yeah, it's, it's that twofold. One ear is on the person and your eyes are on the person and your heart and your other ear is on the Lord. Right. And it's kind of like, Lord, what do you have for this person as mm-hmm. she or he is telling me what is not working for them? Or they yeah. discovered they have this horrible struggle through one of the contemplations and they feel comfortable enough to share it with me because they don't have to. You know, and I'm going, okay, Lord, now, now what? You know, now what, what? <laughs> like, yep. I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, yeah. Yes, I have training, but, but this is not training based, right? It's, it's not, mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's the Lord who has to give the messages and, and, you know, and the passages. And, um, so yeah, that's also tiring. And, um, but it's also, Addictive hmm. in a healthy way. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see, you see God moving in other people's lives and so you get excited. Right. And so you kind of want to live in that place where people's lives are being transformed. I think it's kind of like where a pastor just kind of goes, Oh, this is so much fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You see the light come on in people's, you see them um, change how they relate to their spouses or their kids over time. Hmm. You see marriages get healed. Wow. The it was, you know, people talking at each other because they were both afraid. Well, now one is not so afraid anymore and can listen mm-hmm. a little bit more. And the other one goes, oh, you're actually listening to me. And so marriages slowly get better. Maybe they'll never be perfect, but right. they're better. Yep. Right? Yep. And they could do counseling and spiritual direction and they would have a great marriage, you know. Right. And if they did neither, they would probably end up separated. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so see, transformation in people's lives. 
and what kind of a difference did that make for you? And like, yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. It's, it's really fun. Um, you know, sometimes a young Christian is, <clears throat> um, really good for the mature believer because all the questions they have, you get to revisit and you get to wrestle with again and you're making notes as, as they're, you know, telling you stuff and you're, you're, you're saying, okay, like this, I'm going to pray about with you because you're just inviting me into your journey. Um, and then sometimes with a mature believer, it's like, these are normal human questions that I think some people feel they should not have at their stage of life. Okay. I've been a Christian 20 years. Yeah. I know my Bible inside out. Why do I still not feel like blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Why, why am I still struggling with this sin? Or why am I still acting a certain Even way? Even similar to I... what you were saying, Nita, when you yeah. first went for looking for spiritual direction or not even knowing that it existed, but finding it. And it was out of that space of there must be more to life than this. Yeah. But, I mean, I think every believer, right? has to run out of what they have of themselves and go, okay, well, where's the power? Where is God? Like Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, I I read about this victory in Christ and where's the victory? Or I read about, you know, this and where, where is it experientially? So is that a big part experiencing the scriptures and experiencing the reality of who the Lord is? Very much so. It's, it's, um, it's carrying Sunday's experience into a daily event. You know, there's something about the Sunday experience when you are together in a room full of people that you have good relationships with and you're singing loudly. You just can't duplicate that online. Right. Mm, right. Um, and that is one of the things that we miss about being able to gather, um, hearing the same story together and all of us having the same you know, chuckles at the same time or, you know, the, the same, oh, the bad joke again. <laughs> you know, or, or you know, there he says that, he says that word again. Let's count how many times he says that in the sermon. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, that community feeling um, is, is then brought into your, your daily quiet time with God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it's about intimacy, with the intimacy you experience on a Sunday with with um your fellow congregants or or staff mm-hmm. right is a particular thing that is incredibly sweet but then you also bring that life that that gives you but you carry it all week because you're continually in scripture you're 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 feeding yourself you know like people who say oh the sermon didn't really feed me well what are you, a baby? You can't go to the fridge and feed yourself. Like, right. Yeah. Bible's there. How many versions of the Bible do you own at home? Feed yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. If you're depending <clears throat> on this, you know, person up on the podium every week mm-hmm. for your spiritual well-being, you're going to be in trouble because it's not enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, you should never be looking at the preacher to feed you. That's that's not. I mean, yeah. you're not illiterate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you have Bibles. You have tools. You have resources. You've got people. Mm-hmm. You know, your your preacher is giving you uh, the scriptures in a context for your church. Right. Right. Yeah. right? So when you yeah. preach, you're preaching to your congregation. You're not yeah. preaching to somebody in That's a community Iowa. context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So even yeah. your sermon illustrations and the passages are for what the church's heart needs to hear. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that you can't get from scripture generally because your pastor or the person who is preaching that particular week has been at the foot of the cross asking. Right. right? So yep. it is tailor made. This, this is not a one suit fits everybody. This is the one suit that fits this congregation. That's what the preacher mm-hmm. does on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. But when you want to take that another step further and go, well, one size fits no one. (laughs) (laughs) What's the size that's going to fit five, one me. Mm. I have to go to scriptures myself. Right. Mm. I love that picture. Yeah. Now you talked about um, originally um, finding new believers to uh, have as directees. And I'm wondering about leaders, maybe leaders that have never, you know, done spiritual direction or experienced, you know, this, you know, rich life of digging into the scriptures and 3D, as you call it. Would it be good for leaders to have a spiritual director? What would you what would you say to that? Get a spiritual director that's not in your church. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, Because God is going to cause healing in you. And you may not want your church to know of it. It's just a question of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, you know, it, it, it's it's uh, boundaries and freedom. Um, get a spiritual director that knows how to work with leaders. So that means it's somebody that is has done the full journey. For example, in Montreal, it's a six-year training. Okay. So you want somebody who's done wow. the six years, not mm-hmm. somebody who's just a year three, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um and I think leaders in particular need this because mm. we're so busy and we sacri- Protestants and Catholics are very good at sacrificing themselves for the greater good, yeah. which actually is not biblical because mm-hmm. uh, yep. it's God's work, not mine. Right. Um, mm-hmm. God calls me to relationship with him first, not to do stuff for him. Yeah. Because yeah. God, <laughs> you know, um, and I was created for his pleasure. So leaders sometimes just need that. Somebody who will listen to them, no agenda, no social life connected. Mm-hmm. They are just there. It's a gift freely given. I'm here for you, whatever you want to say is fine. Whatever you don't want to say is fine. And if you want, I can just sit here quietly and pray for you. Mm. Wow. Um, or we can talk about whatever you've journaled, whatever you feel like journaling. Right. I think many of us wouldn't burn out if we mm-hmm. had spiritual directors who would, that we could bear our souls to mm. and, and our, and our defects, you know, yep. in a way how, Laughingly, we always talk about that one person that we see in the hall that we want to turn around and walk away from. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the life of church. It doesn't, it's not just leaders who experience that. Everybody experiences that. That's right. But as a leader, it's a double whammy because one, you want to walk away, but two, you know that Jesus wouldn't walk away and you want to be like Jesus. Yeah. But you're exhausted Mm -hmm. and you don't have the 15 minutes to have that conversation. Yeah. You've got two. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and right now we can't just go hug people. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the, it, it, it's really complicated. Mm-hmm. And so the inner life just gets worn and worn and worn this abrasiveness of 
limitations, my own humanity, my own mental wellness, my own, and then COVID added into it. And so the, what I would like to gift this person with, I find myself so deficient in. And then it's like the enemy's got the front door open. Yeah. Right. And you call yourself a Christian. And yeah. how could you do this? This person needs you. You're just going to walk away. Yeah. What kind of Christian leader are you? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, do you think, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and so it's like, yeah, I need a place to go and say, you know what? That person this week, I couldn't do it. I couldn't mm-hmm. even, I couldn't mediate Jesus to them. I feel horrible. Like, I'm supposed to be a pastor, and I can't mediate Jesus to this person. I'm leaving them. I'm literally leaving them hanging. Right. You know, and then then the the thought of the 144 that have not bowed down to Baal yet, and God says, I have it. I'll send right. someone. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Mm-hmm. You're not everyone's answer. No. <laughs> wow, is that ever freeing, right? Well, and, and that's been the, you know... I think the crazy thing about some of so many of our church structures and ministry structures is they're built around the concept like that the pastors and the leaders and the staff are the answer. Right. And, no. and somehow we mess that up a little bit and we forget that they're a part of the body of Christ too. And these men and women who serve in the church are just as much a part of the body as everybody else is and a part of the body. Just as human. And just as human. And we all need one another in our own yes. spiritual journey together yeah. as a community, right? Yes. And yeah. so it's been particularly helpful to have a prayer team, for example, mm. that I can walk down the hall and say, listen, so-and-so is in the hall. Yep. They look like they have a really, they're having a hard time. I need to be doing X, Y, or Z. Because if mm. I don't do that, <laughs> there's a whole issue. Right. Can you go pray? with them or just walk down the hall, say hi, see where the conversation goes. Boom. Someone's on it. Nice. Yeah. Right. So this is the body, the body working. It's not all the pastors to make it happen. And then I feel free because I know that person that's gone to pray with them. First of all, they're a spiritual director, but often, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they love prayer. And so they're going to, they're just going to lavish this person in love and prayer and lay hands on them, you know, and mm. their tank will be filled so much more than if I did it in two minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, something you just shared about those prayer uh, people are spiritual directors themselves. You shared with us previously about that there's several spiritual directors now in your church. So how yes. does that come to be? Um, as I was, as I was doing spiritual direction with people and I, and I, felt that they were ready to now do what I had done, like pass it on and that they were actually really good listeners Mm. um, and that they themselves have the ability to be quiet and to receive somebody's story. Um, Then I I would approach them and say, I really think you would be a good spiritual director. Are you interested in in passing on what you've received? Um, You know, take them through the exercises. Let's see what happens with the exercises you know, can they get over their sin? Can they live the resurrected life in the way that is reflective of who they are? And if, if, you know, those, those boxes are checked, then I'm kind of going, okay, now let's see what the Lord does, you know, and some people have gone all the way through and some people have stopped midpoint. They kind of go, you know what? I just really want to work with young believers. 
Right. Um, that's, you know, I'm a bit of an evangelist on the inside that the mature believer is not for me. I don't need the six years of training. I just really want to do the first two years. I want to be a sure. companion. Yeah. Great. So, you know, we will, we will definitely send you baby Christians, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and the thing is though, even though they do a lot of baby Christians over a while, they also mature, you know, and, and we can actually send them some other people as well. But, mm-hmm. You know, so we have we have some that have been, you know, I uh, <clears throat> finished my sixth year in 2006. So I've been doing spiritual direction since then. And I've right. now I, I kind of do spiritual direction uh, for 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 leaders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that That's where I've decided is my my calling um, yep. is is to do spiritual formation for, for leaders. And I've, I've done that in my other university um, responsibilities as well. I've got two other universities that I'm involved with, and I do spiritual formation there on a one-on-one basis. And that it's it's so important mm. that leaders uh, have a place that is um, safe because right. I don't grade them. <laughs> right. I don't grade them. I'm not their pastor. They live right. in a different continent. Yeah. <laughs> we never see them. Right. A question that just comes and and it might be putting you on the spot, but I'm just thinking if if you do have an answer to this one, the difference between, let's say, Christian counseling or therapy and inner healing or prayer ministry and spiritual direction. Is there are there similarities between them all? And what would be the distinctions if you're able to speak to that? So my understanding is, as a spiritual director, I can facilitate inner healing. It's not a specialty. Mm-hmm. But because Jesus um, is the healer, I can facilitate right. that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I can do counseling 100 uh, and kind of point at, that book's been really helpful in my life. <laughs> right. Um, and kind of go... These are the tools that I've used, mm-hmm. um, but I am not a counselor. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, this is how I, I navigate the the whole issue. If person A comes to me, and I discern that it's a it's a beyond um, contemplation meditation issue, it's also a life skills issue. Right. You know, maybe nobody taught them how to do X, Y, or Z in their lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I say, you need to see a counselor. They will equip you to do this part of your life. Mm-hmm. They'll give you the tools um, and, and, you know, then you'll be able to do life really well. Or, you know, I need you to um, go see an accountant who will set you up with a budget. Mm-hmm. You know, your spending is right. out of control, but it's not just the inner vacancy of, you know, I need to buy things because I'm, I'm, I need some inner healing, but it's also a budget issue. You don't know how to put a budget together. Right. Right. Yeah. So it, it's all those different things happening together, but inner healing, we actually have um, a few people in our church who do deep inner healing. They've been trained mm-hmm. uh, to do inner healing. And so, um when it's it's when I feel that I'm no longer able to really help them, that's where I go. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not everyone's answer. I right. am <laughs> personally I'm good with um the average healthy person wanting to go deeper. I don't have counseling skills, inner healing skills, 
you know, that's, that's, but if you want to talk to me about education or you want to talk to me about, you know, worship uh, and the mind, you know, I can go a lot deeper there, but I, like, I know God has healed me so he can heal you and I can pray for your healing, but But I think that's important too, because like knowing what your uh, scope is, scope of practice, and then being able to see, okay, it seems like there's a need outside of this. And then you have these different places to refer people to. I think that's awesome. You can't do it all. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. people that we we that have proven to be helpful, and so that's where we send them. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's great. And so, and you mentioned you know, kind of like now, like you see yourself more kind of doing spiritual direction for leaders. And so, like in, in the bio that you had sent us, and I didn't know this about you, but you have a doctorate in transformational leadership. Like, so yeah. what is transformational leadership? Doctor. Yeah, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> big leadership nuts and so I read you know and so it's kind of just kind of curious and how does spiritual direction fit in with kind of the leaders that you're coming alongside with with this if, if there is an overlap well I did my my doctorate at uh, Bonke Graduate University it's called okay. known as BPU, and it is a university that is focused on transformational leadership okay um, and it's, it's taking people with leadership potential to the next level Okay. Um, and, and so a lot of it is very hands on practical stuff. It's, it's a doctorate, not a PhD. So okay. it's geared to the practitioner, not to the researcher. Okay. Um, and so transformational leadership is ta- for me, it's taking that one person and taking them that much further, either in their skills or in their knowledge, of course, in who they are as a person. This right. is where spiritual direction happens or spiritual formation happens. Uh-huh. Um, and I use spiritual direction type stuff when, when I do um, city immersions, which is a group of students and we go see what God's doing in a city. Okay. In a big way. And, and so we, we do a lot of that in the morning. We spend about 45 minutes praying together, contemplation, unwrapping it, you know. Um, but the, the, the thing that we often don't do in leadership is that we, we read a lot of books that are for CEOs. Right. How many of us are CEOs? No. Yeah. Not a CEO. You? Okay. Some so. days it feels like I am at the church in my role now. Yes. Like it feels like I run yes. a nonprofit now more than pastoring, but yeah. Yes, exactly. So, you know, and so we, we read that kind of stuff and go, but I don't, this doesn't resonate with me. It sounds fascinating, but it yeah. doesn't resonate. And what do I, what do I need? You know, I'm middle manager. Mm-hmm. You know, a middle manager. And so equipping middle managers to experience God in their day to day work mm-hmm. is so important. Right. And that is what transformational leadership is. It's when you can know beyond shadow of a doubt that God is with you in your day to day life. God is sitting there at that meeting, you know, and and he is there with so and so that you're working with your, I don't know, brainstorming a sermon or you are starting off a food bank at your church or you know, it requires management and whatever else, or you are in the process of hiring somebody, where's God in that mixture? Right. Um, and so transformational leadership is the transformation of the individual as a leader. Okay. Who then helps other people be transformed as well. Right. Cool. So the process often means that a person will come in and they are already a, a strong leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know they might be running World Vision for Uganda, you know. Let's just say, sure. Okay. Yeah. 
they, they come in, in into this program. They take a bunch of courses. Each course has an application that you have to do. You you do a transformative project. You unpack it. You try it. And um, at the end, you leave um, as a leader with experience. So you're able to go that much further. It, it's you are not the person who walked in because not only have your skills gone up, but your spiritual life has been altered. And so how you see yourself and how you see the world mm. is not the way it was when you first came in. Okay. So be prepared for a shake up or a shake down if when you go in because then you're not going to look the same coming out. Right. And then, and you have an enemy. Let's just be mm. blunt about it. Right. Um, yeah. And so all of our students go through really hard times at some point in their education they're going to hit a roadblock. You know, if they're older, it could be, you know, their parent dies. Most of the students are older anyway. They're, you know, 45 and up. Mm-hmm. You know, there are very few 35-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's – that's how we transform the world. Right. That's great. Oh, I love it. We bring it's ourselves cool. transformed. Yeah. That's awesome. You talked about, um, uh, I can't remember the exact term, but city immersion or something along those lines. Can you describe that? A li- like that tweaked an interest. What is that? Okay. So a city immersion is um, a required course at BGU. Um, and it's also a course that other people can join in that are not students necessarily. Mm. Uh, costs about the same as a mission strip, which <laughs> oh. you get much more for it. Yeah. Um, and you it's a it's a eight credit course so it's it's very demanding um for those who are students but you go into a city and you're meeting with the ngos you're meeting with local government you're leaving meeting with nonprofits you're um thrust into food banks and uh all kinds of stuff when we did dallas a couple of years ago we went to the state fair now the state hmm. fair is really interesting because the person who runs it is a christian okay so talking about transforming the hmm. vendors and the opportunities for, for uh, blessing right there, hmm. or, you know, how Christians have worked in uh, desert, uh, either food deserts or, or um, Dallas is poor and rich are connected by city bridge. For example, I'm just going to tell you a little right. bit about Dallas so you can yeah. edit it, uh-huh. after, but they're connected <laughs> by a bridge and um, the poor side didn't have a pharmacy and mm-hmm. didn't have a laundromat. Wow. Yeah. So they would literally have to take the bus into town to do laundry and come back. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So in Canada, we've got health care. So if you need health care, you know, you can get health care. In the States, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have dental clinics. They have day camps. They have eye clinics. They have things that, you know, as Canadians, we just kind of take a little bit for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, transforming those areas of town so that the shalom Peace and restoration happen, not right. just the appearance of status quo peace. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so immersions change students. I've had students um, change the dissertation topics because of that. They they kind of go, wow, like I I you know I'm blown away. When we went to Kuala Lumpur, a lot of the um, conversation was around corruption. Mm, right. And um, there's a guy, he, he, his thing is building highways and the walls that support the highways are the, those bricks, those long bricks. That's what mm-hmm. he built. That's okay. what he put And uh, when he got saved, he changed his name to Nehemiah because he says, I do walls. Mm, right. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he became one of the top people because he refused to be bought. Wow. He said right up front, you can't, you can't give me money. Mm. You will not bribe me. This is the fixed price. Take it or leave it. This is the work that is going to be done. No more, no less. Mm. And he's the most sought after, after now. And, you know, so you, you get to see how Christians in the city are blessing the city. Right. Oh, I love it. Me too. Yeah. So you you don't go to some missions thing and go dig ditches because, frankly, really, those people know how to dig ditches. Why right. are you digging? You know, why yeah. are you digging? <laughs> why are you taking their work away? They can dig that ditch. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, yeah. You can dig a ditch. You know, why are you bringing your lumber and your this and your that and your, to a country to build them a church when you when there is all that available there? Yeah. But when you're going to spiritually transform and speak into and pray into and all these things into the city, what a difference that can make. And so you see the the amazing work. And KL, we saw this uh, organization that worked with Rohingya children, mm-hmm. no status, right? They're, they're right. kids with no status. And so they're, okay. they're you know, they, they have this after school program for Rohingya children. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing what they're what they're doing, you know. And so you kind of go back and and you go back to your own context and you go, well, is there a group of kids in in my area that is being not resourced enough? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. learn from what you see and you come back and you go, oh, with fresh eyes, what are my Christian brothers and sisters doing there that I can duplicate here? Wow. I'm not the one who's coming with the answers. I'm going with the questions and they're going to give me the answers because right. they are the they are the specialists, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's a reverse the idea of, of North Americans going to evangelize or or we're going to go and bring our expertise. Well mm-hmm. I hate to tell you your expertise doesn't work there. They have their expertise. Yep. Right. Yep. You go learn. Go learn. Go see how yeah. they do it. Go and pray with them. Go and encourage them. Go and bless them with you know, your presence and, and you're cheering them on and yeah. you asking them questions as if they are the experts. Yeah, they are. know them. And yeah, yeah. 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 So, oh, like you know, that. I often come back with a few students that, you know, God lays on my heart and I just feel so blessed to have known them. And then mm-hmm. I, I get to walk the journey all the way to their and right through their dissertation with them. And that's a real privilege. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And and you talked about like leader, like transforming leaders being the thing that is your passion at this stage of your ministry, your calling. What would you recommend um, for leaders that are feeling stuck or feeling, you know, spiritually just empty or without resource? What would you recommend for them? Find a spiritual director, find a spiritual friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the places you can find a friend is it is in academia. <laughs> um, register for a class somewhere, um, and, and it'll be amazing how your world will will change. Um, I know that we as Christians believe that we are. You know, we bring our emotions, we, we, but we, we don't spiritually train our minds. Our minds rule. Mm. In, in, in the North American culture, the mind is at the top and then you've got the spirit and the soul, blah, 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 blah. 
But actually, the mind needs to fall under the spirit. Mm, right. And it needs to be taught how to think. Mm. You know, um, there's actually a word. I don't know what the word is, uh, how to pronounce the word, but there's a, a word for kids who can't do math. It's a, it's a blah, 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 whatever. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's looking calculus or discalculus, something like yeah. that. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they don't speak math. Mm-hmm. And so they can't do math. Right. And I think for Christians in North America, we have said, well, the mind is above the spirit. We haven't said it really verbally. No, we don't. Yeah. You know, and when we say it, we kind of go, oh, no, no, no. That's but not we right. Live that but... way. <laughs> yeah. We live that way. And so going to an institution like BGU, for example, and there are, you know, lots of other places a person can go to. Surrounding yourself with a group of people who are Christians who question, who mm-hmm. come with tons of questions about spirituality, transformation, big issues, um, takes us out of our navel gazing, right. takes us out of the dryness, mm-hmm. teaches us that our minds need to be subject to the spirit. Hmm. And so as an academic, I have discovered that God is bigger than me hmm. um, and I'm no longer bored with him because now I don't actually understand him. And it's okay to say that because yeah, all my yeah. friends don't understand him either. And it's kind of like, yeah, wasn't that mind-blowing? Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, the, the piety of the mature believer who's saying, oh, the Lord is sovereign. But then, <laughs> and the word of God is clear on this. And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, not clear to me. <laughs> so in, in all these years of, you know, you've been... You've been an academic, you've been, you know, a spiritual director, you've been a pastor, you've been, you know, trying to, like, just what you've just described, uh, make your mind go underneath where the spirit is. All these things, what what would you say, um, after all these years of walking with the Lord in these various ways, has been your greatest transformation in, in the Lord? He loves me. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know he loves me. Yeah. Um, and, and that's because there's a few things that have happened in my life that I can go, yeah, that would have never happened. <laughs> <laughs> right. For God. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the fact that he would entrust us to two children, both mm-hmm. our children were adopted as babies. Mm-hmm. The fact that he would bring us two children to raise, you know, it's easy. You can have your own kids. That's, you know, yeah. and be, you know, just make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But when the Lord brings you two children, you go, you have no words. Mm, right. You know, why me? Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not that awesome a parent. I'm bumbling like any other parent. Yeah. Yep. But he still wanted me to be a parent. It's like, wow. Mm. That I don't, I don't, like, I still don't fully grasp. And it really changed my perception on who God is. It's like, you... You love me. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you want good for me and you bring it about, like you make it happen. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. 
Well, Nina, we so appreciate you taking time chatting with us today. This is a fascinating conversation. And just as a final question, if someone wanted to learn more information about spiritual direction, where could they start? There's a great center in Guelph. Um, um, There are centers in in different places. I think if they just Googled Ignatian uh, spiritual direction centers, something simple like that, Montreal has one. Guelph has one where directors actually go for even more training or, or refreshers. Um, but there, there are many around. And because of COVID, many of us now do Zoom. And so you may not find a spiritual director in your city, but if you're comfortable with Zoom or, you know, WhatsApp, whatever, you can get a spiritual director in a different city. Okay. Yeah. So thank you so much, Nita. Like this has been so long and long needed for us to get together again and to to chat and I'm just so glad to hear all the ways that God has been transforming your life and transforming others lives through you and I can speak as one who has been really transformed through your ministry and I just want to say a thank you for being on our podcast today but also for your impact in my life personally so thank you Nita. Well, God has blessed me, um, and and so it's just so fun to see, um, you know, you you don't always see yourself as being impactful, mm-hmm. and so it's sometimes just really nice to hear from other people going, you know, I remember when you did that, that really impacted me. So, thank you. That is like so awesome to think about how many years it's actually been since we've pretty well been in the same room and and to just be able to pick up right where we left off. What a, what a blessing this has been and a huge privilege to be able to spend this time with Nita Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, just glean from her wisdom and experience and yeah, it's it's like it's just like going back right to where it really we were, is. but like add a ton of you know yep. wisdom. Oh, and a ton of new stuff too, mm-hmm. right? Again, now where we're where we are at as Christian leaders and yep. pastors in, in in our city here, mm-hmm. there's still so much to learn and so much to glow up, grow on this topic of spiritual direction and spiritual wellness. Absolutely, so, so and good. I and I personally cannot. Um, highlight enough and encourage enough for people to get a spiritual director, especially leaders, eh? Well, you know what's funny? I was actually just Googling it this morning, and I'm going to get one. Good. I know. That was my big takeaway personally. Is That's that awesome. Kind of realizing this is something I could benefit from in my own leadership and my mm-hmm. own walk with God. So. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad. Well, it's nice we had this talk. Well, I shared it with you and the world <laughs> all at the same time. So now I have in, even greater accountability. Accountability. To make it love yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I really encourage anybody to, to, to do it, especially leaders because we give out right all the so time we're, we're helping other people all the time and as leaders we need to you mm-hmm. know be in that client role you know where we're the directee and that's okay absolutely it's, it's a good place to be to, yeah. to sit back hear from the lord and and be willing to grow and go to that next step wherever that is that the lord leads for sure so thanks again everybody for joining us at the revitalized podcast as always we so appreciate everyone who sends feedback to us about the podcast who comments who shares on social media and i would just 
you know, if we can ask you a little favor to actually do that, if you've been blessed by any of the episodes of our podcast, share them on social media, share mm-hmm. them on Facebook, share them on Twitter, and, and let people know that this has been a blessing to you. So maybe you can be a blessing to the people in your sphere of influence uh, through the sharing of this podcast. And until next week, we have a great guest again. Next week, we talk about physical wellness and it's and the a overlap. great and the overlap. Mm. It's a great topic on physical wellness next week. I know you'll be really blessed by that. So until then, this is Kevin and Danielle just saying God bless you and we'll talk to you next week. God bless you. You've been listening to the Revitalized Podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you found this content helpful, please consider subscribing, sharing on social media, and leaving a review. This helps us to help even more people. Join us next time for more insights on emotional, spiritual, and physical wellness in your leadership.